0: Galatians 3.23, he says, Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, for in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. So, before we jump into the details, which, by the way, this is Galatians. It is not going to be detailed. Okay, um, Galatians is a very intricate book, and so everything that you hear today is just an overview. It's an intro. Um, it's to stir our minds and hearts. But before we jump into the meat of this text, talking about adoption, there's another word that we need to briefly define, or at least have a grasp of, and that word is the word justification. It's very important to understand the basis of kind of what Paul's already laid out before this text. Um, And so justification and adoption are forever connected throughout Scripture. I mean, they go together eternally. So here's a simple definition for justification, okay? Justification, in a Christian context, is the gracious act of God, so the gracious act of God— By which God declares that a sinner is righteous solely based on faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. Okay? So, a question we have to ask is okay, how is God showing us graciousness by declaring us righteous? Well, look at verse 23. He says, Before faith, meaning before Christ's death and resurrection, we were what? we were held captive. We were held captive under the law. We were imprisoned. Okay, There was nothing we could do. We, we, were, we were held in solitude and death and, and captivity. And then in verse 24, Paul refers to the law as our guardian. Okay, So the, the law holds us captive and imprisons us because the law reveals our sin. You follow that? The law reveals our sin, so therefore we are in captivity. And since the law reveals our sin, we will never be able to find salvation from the law. We will never be able to find salvation through our perfect works, meaning that if we could fulfill the law and follow God and know God perfectly, then that's just never going to happen. We are unable to do that. And our failure to follow the law, because we all sin, our failure to follow the law reveals our sin. And the law, if you go down that track, leads to death under the curse of sin. So we are guilty before God. We are condemned by God. We are separated from him. And so we are imprisoned and held captive by this law because through the law, we will never be justified. You follow that? Like Romans 3.20 says, for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes knowledge of sin. So, despite the law revealed to us, uh, revealed by God to us that reveals our sin, Paul says that law acted as a guardian, meaning the law revealed to us two things. The law revealed to us both God's nature, but also our intended nature that in the law, we see the holiness of God. In the law, it reveals who God is, his holiness, his perfection, his expectations, and it also reveals who he intends for us to be, that we are to be holy. So, example, God is not a liar, right? Therefore, you shall not lie. That's why that is in 10 commandments. So when your flesh wants to lie, cheat, or worship other things before God, the law says, stop. You are not intended to do that. That is not who I am. And in that place, when we go down that track, it always reveals that we are a sinner. So verse 25, but now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. Here's the beauty of the gospel truth and justification. We are no longer imprisoned by the law. We are no longer held captive by the law. Because Christ has come, he has fulfilled the law through his holiness and obedience. And he has spilled his blood on the cross as an eternal sacrifice. He has once and for all freed us from condemnation that is revealed in the law through our sin. So in justification, we are declared right before God the judge, that God the judge would look at us and say, we are okay, you can walk in righteousness because my son has given given that to you. So with justification, it is the declaration from God that we can walk with him. Now, adoption, adoption is the declaration that we are loved by him. You see it? Justification is the declaration that we are right with him. Adoption is the declaration that we are loved by Him. Verse 26 For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. Like it's good to be declared right by a judge, and we should celebrate that. But it's even better to be loved by a father. These work together, that we are declared right. And then he presses into us and said, Not only are you right with me, but you are loved by me. That through the blood of Jesus, God has called us by name. He has chosen us to be his, his son, his daughter. This is what prompts us to pray, this is what prompts us to worship. That God has not only declared that we are righteous, that our sins are, old, are gone, are, we have been made a new creation, but that we have been adopted and called into his family. Like parents, think about your children, the love that you have for them. It is a shadow of the love that God has for you. It is all but a shadow. Galatians 3.27 Galatians 3.27, it says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs, according to promise. Now, before we jump into verse 27, verse 26, what I read to you earlier, uh, mentions that we are sons. Okay, we are sons, and there's a reason by the choosing of that specific word that we are sons. Now, the New Testament is not trying to be uh, chauvinistic here, all right? That, that the reason that the word sons is mentioned is because in first century culture, as in common, it's common in many cultures, who would receive the inheritance of a family, a son or a daughter? A son would, right? A son would <laughs> traditionally receive an inheritance within the family, however, in verse 28, where he talks about Jew and Greek and slave and free and male and female, what he's saying here in this moment, and don't miss it, it's, it's, it's actually incredible. He's saying, it doesn't matter what your gender is. He's speaking to a group of people who traditionally, they've always lived their lives as the son, is the one who receives the inheritance. And here he's saying, it doesn't matter what your gender is. It doesn't matter what your socioeconomic class is. It doesn't matter what your ethnicity is. ethnicity, ethnicity is. If you are in Christ, you are a son. You receive an inheritance. So, as opposed to being chauvinistic, the New Testament is actually being countercultural here because it's saying that every person who falls under the blood of Christ, who is clothed in new clothes with the righteousness of God, actually, that person actually has the rights of a son and the privilege of being a son, and that there is no distinction, that we are all invited to the table of reconciliation through the blood of Christ. So, within this room, there is no measure of status here, male or female, Jew or Greek. It doesn't matter. The only status that matters here is have you had faith in the blood of Christ? Do you believe that Jesus died and rose from the grave? If you do, then that blood covers you. You are justified and you are adopted. And you get the privilege of experiencing the inheritance of a son. These next few verses, we could spend several weeks on, just being honest. So give me a little grace here. I'm, I'm gonna, I only have a couple minutes. So let me read it to you. Galatians 4, starting in verse 1, he says, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave. Though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, Born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. So, in first century culture, a child would have so it's talking about guardians and managers here, it's being literal. It's, uh, they would have guardians and managers that would help raise them. But there was an appointed time when a son would take on the full blessing and responsibility as an heir of the family. So that's what it means when it says, though he is the owner of everything, but he is under a guardian. So Paul takes that, this modern day in the time, modern day reality, and he says, in the same way, when we were children, before we received the inheritance from God, before that time, we were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But let's not confuse this. Right? In Ephesians, the Bible tells us that we were, Ephesians says a lot of things, but one of the things it says is that we were dead. We were without hope, and God chose to raise us from the dead. Right? That, that God would send his son, that there was an appointed time. When the fullness of time had come, he sent his son fully God, fully man, and he came to redeem those who were held captive and imprisoned by the law. And so the guardian's been removed. We are justified. He not only justifies us, but he adopts us. And let me say this. God does not accidentally do something, right? It was purposed. It was his plan that, that in our salvation, there is intentionality, that he sought you. He pursued you. He went after you, that Christ came from perfect heaven to broken earth to redeem. And I think one other thing that's important to mention, it's not as if we were orphans without a father, okay? So it's not as if we were orphans without a father. We were orphans who had rejected the father. We rejected his love, we rejected his glory, and we chose to worship something else, but Hear this. Our rejection did not stop his pursuit. He made a way to restore us to our intended place, to restore us back to his presence. There is nothing like the pursuit of a parent for their child. He says, because you are sons, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Okay, justification. You are declared right before God. Adoption. You are declared to be in the position and inheritance and privilege of a son. However, that's not all. God has also sent his son that we might receive our position as sons, and then god sends his spirit so that we might receive and be able to enjoy to enjoy the privileges of being a son that the privilege that we have in the eyes of the courts the court of the heavens that we are justified we are god's sons and daughters the spirit shows us and helps us experience that privilege that intimacy The Spirit reminds us that we do belong to Him. The Spirit reminds us that we don't belong to sin. The Spirit reminds us that we've been called to something greater and something better and that the blood of Jesus covers us. And so we're not enslaved to the world, but we are free in grace. What is true in the realms of heaven... That we are children of God. We experience it in our heart through the power of the Holy Spirit that stirs our affection and helps us to believe and know that that is true. It's God within us. And he says, because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. And there's the intimacy, crying, Abba, Father. And we have to be careful here because some people, when we talk about this word Abba, they say, well, it's like, it's like daddy. Well, yes, it's, it's daddy. It means daddy. But there can be a point where we can over sentiment, um, be over-sentimental with this word and kind of think of it like baby talk, like I'm a baby, he's my dad. And so it can, be, it can be very surface level if we're not careful here. But the way Scripture talks about this word, talks about this title, this is a title for God, Think of Jesus gro- groaning in the garden when he's about to die, saying, Abba, help. There's intimacy in this word. It's, it's like in Romans 8 when it says when we groan, right? When we, we cry out, that's this picture.